De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be discussing the changing face of B2B marketing. Joining us is Jordan Crawford, who is the CEO at Blueprint, which helps B2B companies build go-to-market systems by pain, not persona. They download your customer's buying context, score your entire TAM by pain, and then build automated outbound email sequences that get 5 to 33% positive reply rates. Blueprint eliminates the need for your sales team to ever research a company again or figure out what to say to them. Yesterday, Jordan and I talked about why your buyer's research process has changed. And today, we're going to continue our conversation and talk about where do B2B buyers go to evaluate SaaS. Okay. Here's my conversation with Jordan Crawford, the CEO at Blueprint. Jordan, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful to be here, Doug. Thanks for having me again. And I think today I'm the not the you're the you're the chump. <laughs> you're the chump on this podcast. I'm the ch- okay, fine. I, I'm not gonna even try to unwind that. I, I just would say I, I feel like we have a duty to the four listeners who have already signed off. And that duty is we sort of put some scary stuff in front of folks yesterday. We a lot of stats, right? We talked a little bit about some of the forces that are driving buyers to hide behind, you know, tools. And also, you know, just they're exposing less and less of their buying process to us, right? So let's actually give them example, like, what's in that toolkit is what I'm looking for. Like, where are buyers going? And I have to say, like, the thing that's probably popping everybody's brain right now is trust radius and G2 crowd, but it's broader and deeper than that. So Jordan, I guess you're the champ and I'm the chump. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So help guide us. Like, talk to me about some of the tools that are out there, maybe that they're not thinking about, and they're going to be present very soon. Yeah. And I think that this is a up and coming category. You're going to see this start to explode again because of some of the bad sales experiences that that we as revenue leaders have created. But I want to first talk about companies like ScalePower. So ScalePower.org, they're super interesting. They actually will do group buying for you. So they will work with like Klarna. So all these like buy now, pay later companies in the e-commerce space, really interesting. So instead of you working directly with a Klarna to add a buy now, pay later, they will group buy. So they're the Costco of software buying experiences. And so now you're having a middleman between you and your buyer to drastically lower the amount of money that you that you get. And so these are the types of tools that we're seeing. So sort of vendor, but not on the back half of your selling process and the front half of your selling process. Now I'm scared. Yeah. And that's the thing is that this isn't coming, you know, you talk about vendor and vendor, Sastrify, Tropic, 
these are all companies that purport to save you 23% on your SaaS spend. So instead of you directly working with the seller when that renewal window comes up and they said, well, things have changed. We've got more users and you've got, and you here's your usage. So you're going to have to increase your prices. Now there's this middle layer of data that says, well, wait a minute, this other company that I know has the same exact stats as me and you gave them this great deal. So there's more data that exists for you as a buyer to be able to negotiate. And these companies do it on your behalf, right? So they, they're chopping 20% off that renewal revenue. And yes, it is. they are coming for both sides of the process, Doug, the front end and the back end. Well, I want to back up just a second. So hold on a second. We're into the middle of the funnel a little bit. And as a linear thinker, I need to start from the beginning. I'm sorry. I'm just not that adroit, Jordan. Your brain is too fast for me. I am the chump here. I want to back up. I want to back up. Let's talk about the tools that people are aware of currently. So the trust radiuses and the G2 crowds. Spend a little time for me talking about where they fall in this disruption curve, because it feels on some level like what we're talking about here is just next door or glass door. In other words, they're creating visibility into how buyers think about or customers think about a very set of applications. That's a place we're familiar with. That's an area that marketers feel comfortable in. But I, I look at that, and I go, can you game that? Like as a buyer, in other words, as the seller, I'm like, it's great. It's awesome. It creates transparency. But as a buyer, look, and I go, that, that doesn't feel real to me all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times have you looked at like I look at Yelp and I look at the one star reviews. And if they talk about the forks or, or the service, I'm like, this person is messed up, right? It has nothing to do with the restaurant. The restaurant is probably great. But they're like, my food was, you know, I, I ate it an hour later. And my food is cold. It's like, that's how it works. <laughs> so I will definitely read G2 reviews and, and look at it with a grain of salt. But you're right to start here is that it, this is just a one example of a disintermediation between you and your buyer. So G2 is a good place to start for you. People that churn, that have had bad experiences with you, that's going to become public, right? So your buyers are going to glean some information from that. You can use tools like Built With to understand market penetration. So if you want to do some research as a buyer to say, well, how many people are using this? Like, that's a great place to start. Oftentimes, I will see people ask these questions inside of Slack communities, right? A pavilion is a good example of this on deck, right? So people have these communities where they can chat directly with other buyers. Even for one of my customers, what we did for them is we surveyed the market on their competitors pricing when one of their customers was coming up on a renewal cycle. And I educated the customer. I said, hey, did you know that this company's pricing is all over the board? You're about to renew with them. You could get hit with a crazy bill because there's no standardization in their pricing. And you know, you think about tools like Crossbeam too, which is for partnerships. I think that there's going to eventually be companies that have this shared database of who's spending what in SaaS so that you cannot, basically you won't have the opportunity to negotiate directly with your buyers. And especially if your SDRs, your AEs don't adapt to this process, the buyer's gonna continue to hold all the cards here. And that information asymmetry is going to be a challenge to adapt to. And that's why we're here today. That's what we're talking about. So I need a rubric here. There's enough information that my head is exploding, all right? So help the chump, ready? <laughs> okay. I wanna go through a buyer's journey. I wanna talk about the tools that potentially people have the opportunity to use that are different than what we're experiencing. So let's start with, and by the way, something we missed yesterday was peer networks, right? There's more information and more access to peer networks. So let's start, let's take a typical B2B buyer's journey. Let's say I'm a 250 person company 
and I recognize I have a need and I've established what the category is. Let's say I need to go buy contract management software. I really need contract management software. I'm likely going to begin my buyer's journey with G2 or Trust Radius, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to see, hey, how are these various applications viewed? And there's, I don't know, gosh, we haven't reviewed the category before, Jordan, but maybe yes, there's at least a dozen contract management application providers out there. You know, Scott Breaker would say there's 8,000. So there's probably within that stack. Captera too, by the way. Captera. You know, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these review sites, surprisingly, yeah. Okay, so Captera, G2, Crowd, Trust Radius. I go to one of these and I go, great. I've narrowed my list down. Now we go to a peer network, right? So it's modern sales pros. There's a ton of folks that I can go to and say, I'm thinking about these applications. And then you're vetting it further, right? What do I do next? Okay, I've got this short list. How am I investigating now? I'm in the buyer's journey. I've established a problem. I now have a short list. What do I do next? Yeah, this is a great example where you can use a tool like TestBox. And so what TestBox will allow you to do is they have, they're just getting started. They've got eight different customer support tools that you can now install and use. So really insane, right? So instead of a sales rep who's going to say, of course it has that bell, it has this whistle. It's got two bells, it's got four whistles. It is the fastest car in the world. It's got the best cornering in the world, right? It's like, hmm, so I don't want to go to the sales rep. I know my context. I know the tools that I want to use. I know the integrations that I have. So you can basically turn Zendesk, HubSpot, Zoho, uh, all these like leading customer support tools, and you can use them. So you can fire up the tool in your context. You can compare them one-to-one, see how Intercom works with responding to tickets. How does that compare to Zendesk for ticket automation? And so suddenly you never have to talk with a sales rep. You actually can use the product, even though they haven't built a PLG motion. So you remove the, the need to even have a conversation with a sales rep and you can see it in your context. And I would say that it didn't have to be this way. Sellers could have provided this quality of experience, but because they didn't, companies like TestBox are a vector for your disruption. And so I think as a buyer, you're going to see more and more of these types of tools, which, and again, we talked about PLG, right? Some companies are going to take the initiative and provide it themselves, but buyers are actually going to be able to start using these tools, experiencing them. And finally, only if they're at that, you know, two, three, five percent that Forrester says, then they're going to chat with the sales rep. They're like, I have one question. Do not email me. Do not contact me. Ask, like, tell me this single question. And that is a scary world to be in as a seller, to be fetching information and losing total control of the buying process, but it's coming. Okay. So t- I want to take a beat here, by the way, folks. So repeat the name of that application, TestBox testbox.com, T-E-S-T-B-O-X. And they're verticalizing. So they just launched CRM automation. So now instead of having to chat with a rep, you can test up to five different CRM softwares with like fake data. So you can see what the tool looks like. You can use it. Even though, you know, HubSpot may not offer that. They're like, sign this huge contract before. I mean, HubSpot's a bad example, but maybe one of the other competitors not offering that service. So you can see, well, how does HubSpot do this one thing? And in the tool itself, you can click over to a HubSpot competitor. How does Salesforce do this? How does Marketo do this? And so you can try out your own workflows and you don't need the seller to answer questions about the product. Okay, so here we are. Guess what? We, we started with the beginning of the buyer's journey, trust radius, G2 crowd, then peer networks, sales hackers, others, right? I've got my list down to the point where I'm going to go to test box and I'm going to pick the four applications that are left over. 
So I get a hidden trial and the ability to actually use those products in line at the same time. And so here we are in the buyer's journey process. I don't know that somebody has talked about me, has evaluated me, and is at the point now where they're making decision yeah. about whether or not they're well, going to move forward, right? So they've downselected. Hold on a second, Jordan. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> they have downselected and not one marketer and not one salesperson has had contact with them at this point. And what you're saying is they're going to pop out of that process and go, I need to know X. And I'm going to guess, by the way, that thing they want to know is pricing and contract terms at that point. And so you scared us earlier, right? You talked about, hey, who's showing up next once TestBox hands them off? Who's the next vendor up? Well, let me, I want to sit on TestBox for a second here because it gets scarier than people think. TestBox has the same incentive no matter which tool that you pick. So instead of companies like Zendesk, right, that say Zendesk is the best fit for every problem, for every company, for any support challenge, they can say, well, because of your size and the problems that you have, we don't think Zendesk is a good fit for you. And they have no incentive to push Zendesk versus Help Scout versus Zoho because they're getting paid the same. It's an affiliate play. So they just get paid at the affiliate rate. And so eventually they become better challenger sales than you because they know the market, because they want to make a good recommendation and they don't care what tool you pick. So they really, they're in, the business model is actually aligned better with the buyer's journey so that, and which your sellers are like, my goal as a seller is to say yes as much as possible, no matter what problem you have, even if I know I'm not the right fit. As a founder, I don't look at it that way. I have the opposite view. My goal is to reject as many people as I can. And if I can't find a good enough reason for you not to pay me, then I'll take you on because I'm optimizing for your success. I don't have a quota to meet. I don't have, you know, I don't have to hit any numbers. My boss is not going to fire me. You know, maybe don't, maybe don't get invited to the next revenue generator podcast if I don't hit my numbers. <laughs> but it's much better for me as a founder because I can think about the my business survives completely on referrals. But the SDR doesn't have is not thinking about that or is not incentivized to think about the the buying experience. So Testbox is really that kind of next step. And you can you can they show you pricing too, Doug. So they say here are all the pricing based on the rep. You may not even have to contact the seller unless the question is so technical and so specific. Testbox might even reach out on your behalf, which is like an even scarier thing. It's like, you're not going to know who these people are. The revenue will come and then you're going to have to think about, okay, I have no context in who they are. I have no context in the problems. I didn't get to shape the narrative. I now have to make this customer successful. I don't even know if they're a great fit anymore because they made a choice without any of my guidance because my guidance in the past, you know, was so bad that, or that they had such a bad experience with sales reps at B2B companies. They didn't want to take it. And that's the scary thing to me. Well, that forces good things, right? So this is, this is not yeah, a conversation. This is not a week of, you know, scaring the heck out of people. It also is a one of saying, hey, this is what's happening. You should be aware and we should adjust. So an example of an adjustment potentially just for the test box is to say, what is the application experience? What is your test driver? What is your trial experience? How does the product perform? Is it performant in that environment? Because guess what? Test box is going to force you to be performing that way, right? Second thing is, what type of visibility you're creating with your information, with your marketing data, right? Pricing, packaging, descriptions, messaging, or are you all tagline based? Or you actually have good descriptions of your products and, and services. So, okay, now we're out of test box, right? Here we are, we're out of test box. Now we're over to who's up next? Scale power, right? We're up to scale power, 
right? That's the next vendor up. So scale, it's like, okay, I want this product, but I want to price compare against this other product. Scale power, go figure it out for me. Yep, that's exactly right. Then do they go to vendor? Like, at what point do they pop out in front of the seller for the five minutes they're going to get to engage with the seller and go to (laughs) vendor? And Jordan, so what's next after scale power? Is it straight to the salesperson and then to vendor? Like, what's the next application up? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's like, yeah, contract negotiation. So I, I know that vendor does this in the back end. Presumably, they can do this on the front end, too. So, you know, you think about, okay, well, scale power is going to get you group discounts. So, you know, just like you use Honey, right? Like as a consumer, use Honey. And a lot of these consumer tools are coming, you know, are coming for B2B. So Honey's like, hey, we'll just save you money right off the top. We'll just test a bunch of coupons that we found online. And we'll just give you, I was a crate and barrel. And it was like a $400 desk. I just pushed a button. It's like, we try all these coupons. It's like X10506 just gave you 50% off this desk. I was like, amazing, right? So this is the type of experience that's coming for B2B. And so you think about, you know, scale power is going to get you negotiated rates. They're just in one tool right now. Vendor is going to like talk to you about the market and say, hey, here's here's how you need to sort of save money. I think probably the next thing is all these CLM tools that are managing contracts. Those companies are going to have better data about what are the contract terms like? Like, what does pricing look like? That data that exists in PDFs, right? That you you bought a software, you know, last two years ago, you kind of forgot about it. You don't really remember the terms. You, you like, you don't know where that PDF is to like compare against your past pricing. They're going to monitor that stuff and tell you, you know, this is another piece I want to I talk about here. There are these tools that will allow you to create burner credit cards, right? That will so that you they cannot renew. So you can say, hey, I'm only or bank accounts, you know, Stripe will do this, well, they'll they'll spin up an ACH, like a unique bank account number. So it's like, if you have to pay this vendor $24,000, there will be $24,000 of authorized transactions. So this whole idea of like ghost renewals, which you see all the time in SaaS, like, oh, people move, they left, like, just don't contact the customer, wait until the bill comes up, don't refund them, right? Those are the types, they're now tools that are coming to basically make that process you know, even harder for, for the sellers and prevent ghost rentals. Divi comes to mind for me as one of the uh, one of the providers that have, you call them burner cards, but basically it's a credit platform that allows you to allocate credit across credit cards or credit card numbers. And yes, that's a heck of a, a heck of an application for it, effectively reducing or eliminating ghost rentals. So we've dug deep on this one, Jordan. I think we got to wrap it up. But before we do... Is there an application of all the applications we've talked about that you feel is going to be the most disruptive in, say, the next six months? Which of the applications we talked about should people be thinking about the most? I'll tell you what mine is, but you get to go first. Yeah, honestly, I think this is test box because the first principles that that business is based on are so good. They're aligned with the buyer. We don't care what tool you pick. They have no incentive to be able to push them in one direction. They let you try it so you can experience yourself. They only get paid on commission. This commission's the same for every. They're verticalized, so they can just they're going to keep looking at the top SaaS tools. So they're going to take that overwhelming choice and say, "Here's the here's really the twenty that you should care about based on their prevalence in the market," and they're going to be 
they're going to get really good at understanding the market problem because they're not selling HubSpot. They're selling the market of CRMs. So that knowledge is going to benefit them. And they probably will be better at selling HubSpot at Zoho, at Zendesk than the reps internally because they're thinking about the buyer's problem, not the seller's problem of I need revenue. They're like, what challenges the buyer have? How can I identify those challenges and solve the problems in instead of get the revenue. And I think that this is going to be transformational. And they've, you know, in a couple of months, they've already launched new categories. I think they're coming for your buyer's process. I want to disagree with you, but I can't, Jordan. I agree. I think test box is the application we all need to pay attention to. I think it's going to be really disruptive. I think it's going to force a lot of positive change in terms of how we think about our products. I also think it's going to force some PLG motions on organizations that currently don't have them and aren't thinking about them. The other nod I'm going to give, Jordan, and I think this is a little bit more backend, I would agree it's a distant second, is Vendor.com. I, I think Vendor.com is going to create a lot of price compression, especially in categories where there's tons and tons of vendors. The other thing I'm going to say is if you've not heard about TestBox, go check out the website. But I would also say it's like a slow-moving wave. Yes, it's going to be a tsunami. It's off in the distance because guess what? Your category is probably not in there yet. It's probably not in there yet. But guys, the second that it gets in there, you got to start thinking about how your product is being evaluated. Grab your product team, grab your engineering team, show them the tool and say, guys, this is where we win or lose in the buyer's journey. Doug and Jordan told me to check this out. 98.5% of the buyer's journey is actually no longer visible to us. And this is why. All right, Jordan, love having you on the show. Thank you. We got a lot more to dig into. And so, hey, any other parting comments here before we sign off? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's episode because we're going to talk about individual things that buyers are doing to prevent you from contacting them. So to make it even harder. So not only is the buyer's process changing, but buyers are getting more hostile to different ways to contact them. So I'm really looking forward to giving buyers additional tools to make it harder for sellers. And then we're going to talk about how sellers can adapt to those changes. So I, I just couldn't be more excited to talk about that. My only request is not to sign me the chump role, Jordan, for tomorrow's episode. <laughs> I'll be the chump next week. That's that's pretty good. I'm the chump nine times out of ten. So this is just I just prepared for this one better. <laughs> I, I've met Jordan partner before and he is correct. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, CEO at Blueprint, for joining us. In part three of this interview, which we're gonna publish tomorrow, Jordan and I are gonna dig in and discuss adapting to changes and how buyers research. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 